Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the BitCast. In the Nintendo Direct that happened back on March 8th, one of the games that got announced was an HD edition of Okami, or at least the Nintendo Switch port of it. And between that and you know, some other things, I've just been in a very Okami mood lately, so I decided why not just make another BitCast episode and make it about that, you know? So I'm going to talk about Okami. It was developed by Clover Studios, who used to work for Capcom. Okami ended up being the final game made by Clover, though, because they shut down not long afterward. However, today, Clover is back, but better known as Platinum Games, the guys who made games like Bayonetta and Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. It was originally released for PlayStation 2 in 2006, then the Nintendo Wii version came around in 2008. Then the HD edition, referred to as the apt title of Okami HD, was released for PlayStation 3 in 2012, before it got ported to the PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One in 2017. Now Nintendo's gone and announced the Switch port of Okami HD for summer of 2018. So this game's gotten around, and that's great, because Okami definitely deserves to be played by as many people as possible. The title of the game is a bit of a wordplay. It can be Japanese for great god or great spirit, but it can also mean wolf. And you're in control of a great goddess in the form of a wolf, so very nice. The entire game takes place in a very stylized version of mythical Japan, with all the legends and folklores coexisting... You're in control of the goddess of the sun, Amaterasu, as she goes around restoring peace and health to the land, exterminating demons and helping out the mortals, and also feeding random animals, I guess? The game has a very unique art direction, too. It looks like everything is kind of done in watercolor. I believe they originally wanted a bit more of a realistic look before they settled on the watercolor-style look. You can actually unlock an alternate skin for your main character that looks more realistic if you beat the game with certain conditions, so that's kind of a nice little nod to their development. Given the time of Okami's release and the action-adventure gameplay, Okami is often compared to the Zelda series, specifically the wolf segments in Zelda Twilight Princess, which also came out in 2006. The game's director, well, you know, Okami's director, Hideki Kamiya, has gone on record as being a huge fan of Zelda, and the series has inspired him when he developed Okami. Incidentally, Twilight Princess didn't really do much for him, but the fact remains that Okami wears its Zelda influence proudly, and I've known some people who would say that Okami even succeeds where Zelda falls short in a few regards. Even though Zelda is one of my favorite series of all time, I can kind of see the arguments. Almost all, if not actually all, of Amaterasu's abilities retain their usefulness throughout the game, while a common criticism in Zelda is that half of Link's inventory just gathers dust after a while. There's also a lot of character development from the game's colorful cast, while most of the time Link's helper monkey of the week is the only one to get development in their games. And for being a silent protagonist, Amaterasu has a lot more personality than Link. Link has his moments, though, most prominently in Wind Waker and Skyward Sword, but Skyward Sword came out after Okami, so that's not really eligible. 
Japanese folklore and mythology are at the center stage in Okami, though they do take a few liberties with it. The myths are referenced, and parts of the different myths get played out loyally, especially the tale of Yamato no Orochi, but Okami tends to put its own spin on things. For example, in the myths, Amaterasu was the daughter of Izanagi, one of the creator deities. She had two brothers, Sukuyomi and Suzanoo. In this game, Izanagi, shortened to just Nagi, is a human that Amaterasu teamed up with a hundred years ago, and Suzanoo is just a distant descendant of his, and their family blade is called Sukuyomi. There's also the fact that Amaterasu was associated with ravens and crows and horses and roosters, but not wolves. While there are some inaccuracies, one gets the feeling that these were just kind of deliberate choices to kind of help Okami be its own thing. You know, it's still entrenched in the tales of Japanese folklore. So, the Okami is just kind of a fresh take, you could say. There hasn't been any real controversy over it, so artistic license wins the day. As a Matarasu, not only do you have all the powers of a wolf, but they give you this thing called the Celestial Brush. You use it to pause time and then draw different patterns and lines. It'll help manipulate the environment around you. It's a lot like calligraphy, kind of manipulating life itself and reality. And that's basically how you do most anything in the game. Growing plants, fighting demons, exploring, all that kind of stuff. The Celestial Brush is easily the most important asset in your arsenal. Throughout the game, you find constellations themed after the Eastern Zodiac, and they'll all give you different brush abilities. A lot of them just get relegated to merely having control over an element like wind or fire, but I mentioned before that Amaterasu's power remains useful throughout the game, and even better, you can upgrade these abilities. And another cool thing about Amaterasu is that while these abilities can be useful in combat, they also get a lot of use in doing side things for the villagers, and that goes into something I really like about the game overall. One of the things I admire most about Okami, and it's something that the game shares with Zelda Majora's Mask, another game that I really enjoy, is that so much of Okami is centered around helping people. In a lot of games, you get stronger by beating up monsters, and while fighting is a good source of money and certain rare items, Amaterasu's power mostly comes from being praised by the mortals. Doing a favor for the villagers or feeding the wild animals, that's what really helps you to make Amaterasu more formidable. Kind of like in Majora's Mask, yeah, you can go through the four dungeons in that game, but the bulk of Link's upgrades and strength is going to come from doing the side things. And even more than in Majora's Mask, Amaterasu's path throughout the story is just dotted with people that she has to help. It really just kind of highlights how much you're doing for these people. It all comes to a head in my favorite scene in the whole game, at the very end. Out of respect for that scene and my favorite moment, I'm not really going to give it away, not even with a spoiler warning. I feel like the scene works best if you let it kind of speak for itself after having played the entire game up to that point, or experiencing the game in at least some capacity. But if you already have familiarity with the game, you know what scene I'm talking about. On that subject, there are a lot of great scenes in this game. The mood in Okami can go all over the place. I feel like the game is predominantly light-hearted. You know, a lot of silly moments. There's an old lady who makes food out of oranges. I guess because oranges aren't food, but you get what I mean. 
her movements are a lot like a Street Fighter combination, or her husband just does a weird dance with weird, almost kind of hip hop mixed with traditional Japanese music. A lot of silly things. There's a guy who speaks French who keeps showing up at different points in the game. So yeah, very silly game, but it's not afraid to sucker punch you with a real sad moment or blow you away with something completely awesome. Like, the boss fights at the ends of each of the game's major story arcs, they're all very memorable. The story really does a good job at building up to its different antagonists. Even in the third arc of the game, where I feel like the villains don't quite measure up, they still pull off some strong feats of villainy. And there's a lot of character moments, so the heroes can kind of make up for the villains' lack of personality in that part of the game. So, all in all, I feel like the game does its best to keep things interesting. Okami might go on a little long, but they do try to make every moment count. Hideki Kamiya is really proud of this game, and rightfully so. Okami is a unique game and excellently made. People have wanted more from this game, but Kamiya had drawn attention to the fact that this is Capcom's baby now. He left with Clover and stayed with them as they became Platinum, but they didn't take the rights to Okami with them. The game's Nintendo DS sequel, Okami Den, was made and released without any involvement from the game's original staff, except for Rei Kondo, who did music for both the games. While I think Okami Den is a solid game, it did undermine the original at some points, and overall, it doesn't even stand up to it. Kamiya certainly doesn't think so either. In November of last year, there was a Nintendo Everything article that featured an excerpt from an interview with Kamiya in an issue of Dengeki PlayStation. In that excerpt, he expressed interest in making, and I quote, a true sequel for Okami. The game has a devoted fan base, and while it's nice to see Capcom acknowledging it, not only by making Okami Den, but also featuring Amaterasu in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, seeing Platinum Games and Kamiya get roped into doing an all-new Okami would be a dream come true. I mentioned Rei Kondo earlier. He's a composer at Tease Music, which is a Japanese group of composers and sound designers for video games founded by Tomoyuki Hamada back in 1990. Rei Kondo did a lot of the music for Okami, and he would later go on to contribute to music for Nino Kuni, the Bayonetta games, the Wonderful 101, Fire Emblems, Awakening, and Fates, and of course, Okami Den. Going back to Fire Emblem Fates for a bit, when I first heard some of the music in there, it was giving me serious Okami flashbacks, because a lot of the songs in the game use traditional Japanese instruments, so it's good to know that Kondo's use of those instruments has become recognizable. My favorite song in Okami, bar none, is the final battle theme called The Sun Rises, but I'd rather not talk about it. I think, much like the scene that plays just before that song, it should really just speak for itself. But you know the name, The Sun Rises, you can go listen to it if you want, I encourage you. Though in the interest of not copping out and actually describing some songs for you, I'll go ahead and have today's favorite songs feature three other songs instead. My other picks for today's favorite songs are Kushi's Ride, Okami Shiranui, and Battle of the Twin Demons. Now, some of the tracks have alternate titles, but generally you'll find what you're looking for with these. Kushi's Ride, or Kushinada's Ride, or Giving Kushinada a Ride, whatever you want to call it. 
It evokes a sense of urgency as the game breaks this song out whenever it's time to get serious. At different points in the story, Amaterasu has to hurry and reach her next objective. Now, usually the song is just for flair to set the mood, but there is at least one occasion where you're actually given a time limit. You have to go all the way from point A to point B by the time the sun sets, or else you have to start all over. Now, something that I've actually never tried is the fact that you can control the sun and the moon in the game. So, you'd think you could just kind of use that to kind of cheese it and give yourself more time, but they've probably taken that into account and wouldn't let you do that. But who knows? If you have the game and you get to that part, maybe you should try it. I know I'm going to consider trying it. It's really not hard to feel motivated with this song playing in the background. Next one, like I said, is Okami Shiranui. It's the theme music for Amaterasu's past incarnation. Prior to the story, Amaterasu was an even more powerful goddess, and she was dubbed Shiranui, or Wild White Majesty, if we want to trust Google Translate, by the villagers. They called her Shiranui, even though that wasn't really her name, but whenever her past self is mentioned in the story, it's referred to as Shiranui, just for simplicity's sake. A lot of Okami canon regarding the nature of Amaterasu and Shiranui's connection is really muddled, especially in Okami Den, but it's generally accepted that we just kind of ignore Okami Den because a lot of the writers didn't have involvement with the first game, so it just kind of clouds a lot of things. Shiranui is Amaterasu. She's just called Amaterasu by people who know better. Everyone else calls her Shiranui. And when Amaterasu of the current generation is around, we call her that, and we call the other one Shiranui. I think I'm talking in circles now. I'm, I'm not even talking about the song anymore. <laughs> That's what the Okami lore does to you. At moments in the story where Shiranui is particularly relevant, this theme will play, and majesty is a pretty apt word. I don't often use this word to describe music, but the song is beautiful. It really captures the feeling of being in the old times and being in the presence of a noble god. Like, oh, I'm not worthy. Wayne and Garth, get over here. Be not worthy, just like with Alice Cooper. Yeah, okay, I'm just kind of rambling at this point. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> because I can't stay away from boss fight music, the third pick is the Battle of Twin Demons. It makes good use of the koto to give the song a bit of a clockwork feel, since the twin demons that you're fighting are actually just demons that are possessing clockwork statues at the end of a clockwork temple. One of the more unique battle themes in the game, to be sure. Okami is excellent, and you can play it on pretty much any modern system now. And if you'd like to try it on Switch, you only have to wait until summer. But Okami officially gets the Axeman seal of approval. So if some random jerk with a podcast said the game is good, it has to be true. Would some random stranger on the internet lie to you? The answer is yes. A stranger on the internet would lie to you, if I have to tell you that for real. But seriously, Okami's good. And with that, remember that you can subscribe to the BitCast and listen to me sound like even more of an idiot as we stay up to date with random junk. Also, we talk about video games sometimes. You can also listen to the BitCast on iTunes and spread the word. Maybe this will be the last push that someone needs because they're on the fence about buying Okami, but they need someone else's opinion on it. I've been the Axeman, and I will see you on the next one.
Listen to Bidcast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.